Imagine receiving a new passport, and now you're a citizen of a new country. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus describes a new country, a new kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. Find out more on this episode of Inverse. Coming to you from Silver Spring, Maryland, welcome to Inverse, a Bible-based conversation on life principles, contemporary issues, and thought-provoking perspectives. Now here's your host, Justin Kim, with Inverse. Welcome, friends. You are watching Inverse, and in this particular season, we are in the midst of a topic on a topic on justice and mercy throughout the entire Bible. We are in episode 8, and we're talking about the kingdom of Jesus, the kingdom of heaven. And we're going to go to Matthew chapter 5, and we have my esteemed guests, my friends, whom I dearly love, and we try to make fun of as much as we can on, on air and try to embarrass with all godly love and, and Christian respect and kindness. Uh, and so that's why we need the Holy Spirit to, to temper us. So we're going to ask for prayer. Siku, pray for us. Okay. Pray for us. Loving Father, we thank you for the privilege that it is to come to your word. Um, we thank you that the Holy Spirit can teach us, and we Amen. ask that he would be our teacher now, that we can glean things from Scripture that would transform our lives, um, help us to be uh, representatives of your heavenly kingdom here on this earth. We pray Amen. these things in your name. Amen. 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 The four Gospels of, of Jesus all have a different emphasis, and in Matthew, the emphasis is on kingdom. Jesus is inaugurating the principles of, his, of a new kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. This is most clearly uh, articulated in the Sermon on the Mount. So let's go to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, we'll start from verse 1. And Israel, can you read verse 1 through verse, uh, let's say about 10. And seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain, and when he was seated... And when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Verse 11, I'll pick up. Uh, Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth, verse 13. But if the salt loses its flavor... How shall it be seasoned? Is it then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men? You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but under a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. That's up to verse 16. So we are uh, perhaps very familiar with this passage. Uh, we know about the Beatitudes, but I think it deserves some merit to be to read it, read it out loud. This is kind of every 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 nation has their constitution and whatnot. So, um, Sebastian, what is going on here, especially in the first uh, first nine verses, where Jesus is saying "bless, bless, blessed"? Mm-hmm. Why does Jesus say that? What what does it mean to be blessed? And, and well, I think what's going on? I think that there's two things happening in the passage. Number one, we want to hear your thoughts. Yeah. The the the. <laughs> no, the uh, <laughs> What's happening in the passage is that Jesus is being compared to Moses, being on the mountain and announcing 
this kingdom to this liberated people that he's been filling on this mission like we looked at in a previous episode. Mm -hmm. So now he's liberated them. So now where do we go from here? What have we been liberated into? Mm -hmm. And then now Christ begins to articulate what are the attitudes? What is the objective state? I don't think Jesus is dealing with subjective happiness, right? He's not talking about, oh, are you feeling good about life? I think he's dealing with a blessed state that comes from having the favor of God upon your life. And to prove that you're a citizen, this is your passport. This is how you know you are part of the kingdom of heaven and you've been translated in. And these attitudes, whether you're poor in spirit, you're mourning, you're meek, you're hungering and thirsting for righteousness, you're pure in heart. These are the qualities of what puts you inside of the kingdom of heaven. This is what a citizen of heaven, heaven looks like. Absolutely. Uh, in, in one perspective, that's awesome. In another perspective... I don't know if I'm part of this kingdom. Like, this is pretty crazy. <laughs> well, don't, and don't count yourself out just yet because the very first beatitude is so broad and inclusive, right? If mm. you're just poor in spirit, you just recognize your need. Mm. Yours is the kingdom of heaven. Mm-hmm. So that lets you know, like, it's almost like this ladder where Jesus is like, even if you're at the bottom step, you're still in, mm. right? Even if you're, like David says, I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord, mm. right? So even if you're just the doorkeeper, you're still inside the kingdom. Awesome. And so mm-hmm. a lot of times we may not be persecuted for righteousness sake, or we're not peacemakers or pure in heart and you shall see God. It's like, yeah, Lord, help me to have a pure heart. But in reality, just starting at the bottom. Yeah, that first one, there's a lot of grace and hope in that. In that That's exactly one. right. Yeah. So yeah. I think it's powerful. Amen. Siku. I was going to say, the, the statements that Jesus uses, poverty, mourning, meekness, uh, hunger, thirst, th- these, are, these are things that generally we don't think of as positive things. Mm-hmm. Right? So, mm-hmm. But Jesus says these attributes are actually positive attributes in his kingdom poor in spirit mm-hmm. and when you're when you're mourning there's a blessing in mourning because you know that there's going to be a comforting that comes that you will be comforted mm-hmm. so the kingdom of god actually takes the kingdom of this world and flips it on its head and it's like completely mm-hmm. opposite to the way that we would think reality should exist mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's very in verse six the the result is um well the condition is those who hunger and thirst meaning those who don't have it the promise is 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 you will be filled. Yes. And I think we're, and I'm thinking here, uh, that, you know, we're in, this, in, this, in this entire quarter, we're looking at how people are taking Jesus and they're kind of almost manhandling him and molding him into their own version of what they want mm-hmm. and what they want him to be in society. And what's ironic is Jesus never wanted that to happen even throughout his life. We're still continuing to do that yes. after his death 2,000 years later. Agreed. But we're making him into a, a social justice warrior. Mm. We're making him in, like, to justify my needs and my wants and, 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 to, and to justify, justify, But, to, but justify. to some degree, right, isn't that, you know, a very unique concept of the modern age that the individual is always exalted among the group, right? There's no value. There's no purpose. There's no mission that's greater than the one. Right. And I think redemption um, transforms that concept by saying that, yes, Jesus is willing to die for one. But there's a lot more at stake than just saving this one person. Right. There is the father's name. There's the kingdom of heaven spreading abroad. There's the mission of redeeming the earth and restoring man into the image of God. So in taking that direction, yes, social justice is a component. But we have to be so, so careful that. We do not pursue these earthly needs and concerns to the neglect or to the oversight of eternal matters mm-hmm. of what's really going on on the broader scale. And that's why I think Jesus's um, Jesus's statements here 
are able to juxtapose those two together. Yes, I can and deal with your personal using needs. Using Secret. Sebastian's words, juxtaposing, um, you, if you take the, the Beatitudes, right, uh, all the way through the, all the blesseds, and then the, the rest that you read about being the salt and the light, yes. in the Beatitudes you have kind of a state of, of needing something, and there's a blessing because God is going to fill that need. Yes. Um, and you juxtapose that with being the salt and the light of the earth. In light of the fact that God is the one who fulfills your needs, you have a mission to go and be and a blessing. Others. Right, and to fulfill the needs of mm-hmm. others, to be salt and to be light in the world. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of like God, God recognizes that you have needs, that you're, you're, you know, you're poor in spirit, you know, that you're attempting to do certain things, and God is going to assist you in those things. Mm-hmm. And in light of that, now you can go with that confidence that God is working in your life to go and be a blessing in the life of somebody mm-hmm. else. You can summarize, you're, I mean, I was just going to say in verse 6, and blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Another word for righteousness, at least in the Greek, is the word for justice. Mm-hmm. And so we're demanding justice. But it's as until Jesus gives it to us that we, we must be in a position to yearn for that justice, but never attain that justice. That justice is human justice. Only God can provide that level of righteousness for the entire society. Yes. Yeah. And, 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 and like you said, until, until the Lord gives it to us, we are to, we are to live as if God has given it to us on, on this earth as mm-hmm. salt and light. So this is, this is the first time and perhaps the only time in Scripture, or at least in our study so far, where social justice or where justice, sorry, the, it's, it's an internal struggle as opposed to an external mm. uh, experience, mm-hmm. right? And so the lesson that we glean from this, because Jesus is, when he's speaking about blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, it's talking about a specific kind of righteousness. That's the righteousness of Christ. It's not just righteousness, you know, right to doing. Make things right in yeah. society. So, you know, it, throughout Scripture... When God calls upon his people to do what is right, to do justice and to love mercy and to walk humbly with our God, in order to do that, we need to be citizens of God's, of God's country. So it's impossible to do godly things because justice is a godly thing. It's impossible for us to do godly things without we ourselves being godly. Mm-hmm. And so with that foundation, Jesus says, I need to make you a citizen of heaven before you go on my kingdoms or heavenly errands. And so based on that, he says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Something critical that needs to be stated here is, it's not the people are not happy when they do righteousness, but when they hunger and thirst for righteousness. Mm. And to hunger and thirst after righteousness is the differentiating factor between a person that is a Christian or not. In other words, how do I know if I'm a citizen of heaven? How do I know if I'm in reality a Christian? Jesus says, well, do you hunger and thirst for righteousness? Mm-hmm. That's how you know. But what that's does it sign. mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the sign. That is the singular sign. In mm-hmm. other words, you can have all these other things, and I can still say to you, I knew you not. But you can never hunger and thirst after righteousness and not be Christ-like. That is the, the singular thing that makes us Christ-like. Mm-hmm. What does it mean to hunger and thirst for righteousness? The righteousness here is righteousness is holiness. Holiness is likeness to God. And God is love. That's actually uh, written in this book, Thoughts from the Mount of Blessings, when, she, when, when the author speaks about this specific passage. Mm-hmm. So to hunger and thirst after righteousness means to hunger and to thirst after Christ-likeness, which is manifested in love. Love to God and love for others. Another word for these, these blesseds are, is the word for happy. And I think some modern translations use happy, 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 happy. Yeah. And we are in this, 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 this walk, this journey to attain happiness. But what we are saying is if you seek uh, happiness, you will never get it. 
Yes. Uh, but, but if we a, a, a thirst for holiness, uh, holiness is the route to, to happiness. Yes. Yeah? Yep. And what, yes. A, what a powerful deception that Israel is alluding to is I can do things that God would do, but not in the same spirit that God would do them. Mm. So I can be about righteous behaviors, but not have the internal righteousness that actually makes those works powerful. Mm-hmm. And that's where, to me, Jesus in your well, that's reading, where he keeps on going. And he goes to each of the commandments and, exactly. and addresses those things. So yeah. you're like, well, if the salt loses its savor, its saltiness, how can you salt salt again? And I think that's the profundity of what Christ is saying by starting with the Beatitudes. Mm-hmm. That's salting you. Now then you go forward and be the salt. If you lose that, if you use your, your sense of need, if you lose your merciful spirit, if you lose your pureness of heart and your desire to be a peacemaker, you're no longer salt. Mm-hmm. But how are you going to salt this thing again? Mm-hmm. Because the deception is you think because I'm doing righteous actions I am already righteous, so therefore I don't need to be salted again. Mm. Now, Jesus is going to continue his, his constitutional inauguration of his kingdom and talk about the saltiness that Sebastian is talking about in each of the commandments. So stay with us after the break. Has Inverse been a blessing to you? Do you have questions, comments, or feedback you'd like to leave us? Find us on social media by searching Inverse Bible on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube. While there... Join us, like us, heart us, thumbs up us. Our handle again is Inverse Bible, no spaces. Now, back to the discussion. Welcome back. We are in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. We just looked at the inaugural address of Jesus. We're going to go to chapter 5, verse 17, where now Jesus kind of shifts a little bit. And he's not replacing the Ten Commandments, but he's now going to exposit on the Ten Commandments. In chapter 5, verse 17, the Bible says, Do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I come not to destroy, but to fulfill. And then he goes into, maybe not all ten, but a lot of the commandments here. And let's go to verse 21. Can you read verse 21 to 22? Okay. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whoever says, you fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. Israel, can you go to 27 and 28? You have heard it was said to those of old, you shall not commit adultery, but I say to you that... Whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And Sebastian 31 and 32. Furthermore, it has been said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that whoever divorces his wife for any reason except sexual immorality causes her to commit adultery. And whoever marries a woman who is divorced commits adultery. All right, Siku, what is going on here? Why does Jesus mention these? What is, why does Jesus go this route in this sermon of his? Well, he's been talking about the, the, the characteristics the, of, of citizens of this heavenly kingdom. Mm-hmm. And the Israelites already had the law of God and they had, you know, applications of the law and applications of applications, you know, so they, they were well versed in it. But when Jesus talks about these, you have heard that it was said, you have heard that it was said. I guess the letter of the law, he's saying that there's more to the law than just the words that you read on a page. Mm-hmm. And even there's more to actually fulfilling the law in order to be a citizen of heaven than just doing what seems on the surface to be keeping the law. Mm-hmm. That there is a character that goes behind the keeping of mm-hmm. the law. And that when you look at the Beatitudes and he was talking about um, the poor in spirit, the the the... 
the mourning, and it, these are internal qualities, yes. right? And what he's saying is, this external keeping of the law has to come from something that is internal. It comes from who you are, from the mm-hmm. character mm-hmm. of the person. And what God wants to do is to transform who you are to be a citizen of heaven, not just in keeping mm-hmm. on the outside the law, mm-hmm. but to be the person who yeah. would keep the law. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what, what, what Siku is saying, it's clearly seeing in the in the. Uh, in, in the not the in the un, un, in the revealing of of what in the progression is what I'm looking for. I'm like now what's that word what's that word in the progression of of the passage so you have here those who hunger and thirst after righteousness something yes. that is internal yes. it is after the after the blesseds after these internal uh, transformations of the heart take place that then Jesus says you are the salt of the earth mm-hmm. in other words you must first go through that blessedness, happiness experience before you can be considered salt. Mm-hmm. What, what is the significance of salt? The significance of salt is that after you've experienced the kingdom of God personally, then you are able to infuse the kingdom of God mm. into society, into other into people. others around you, yeah. the agents of change. Right. Mm-hmm. And, then so, and then what continues after that, in, beginning with verse 21, is, all right, how does this infusion look like? So you have internally, you have internally... Uh, had your heart transformed, love for God, love for others. Mm-hmm. Once you have that internal transformation, then you have the infusion of that seed into society. And then God, Jesus goes on in verse 27, or in verse 21, 27, and 31 to now talk about how does salt mingling with others look like? Mm-hmm. And essentially what you can summarize that, uh, the, what you can summarize that to, to conclude is that love that has been internally uh, born and then externally infused is extremely radical. Mm-hmm. It's radical in its appearance. And so Jesus here is speaking to the fact that many times we think we are loving people, but he says, actually, you're really not because love is extremely radical. Like, for example, love boils down to not just actions, but to the very mind. And you can break mm-hmm. the law of God in your mind. In other words, you cannot love God in your mind mm-hmm. while you appear to love God in your actions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Here's, here's how radical um, this love and, and this transformation is. We, we didn't read verse uh, 38. Um, you may, verse 38, yeah. yeah. You have heard that it was said an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. That sounds like justice, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But I tell you not to resist an evil person. But whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Mm-hmm. Give to him who asks you and from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. Mm-hmm. This is, I mean, this is antithetical to any concept that we have of justice, yes. right? Especially justice that is owed to me, yeah. right? You're telling me that if somebody is mistreating me, like this is obvious injustice yeah. that is being performed to me, God's, Jesus is saying that in my kingdom, what this this is completely flipped is that you're not out to protect your own rights. Yes, actually, that if somebody is infringing on your rights, that you go the extra mile to show them kindness when they're being unjust towards you. Mm-hmm. That doesn't make sense. That's just in inverse thinking. <laughs> well, That's inverse <laughs> yes. thinking. Yeah. Inverse. And and if you and if you transform what Siku is is saying to the next level, essentially. The kingdom of God is a kingdom in which 
mercy and justice are always practiced regardless of what we suffer. Mm. Hmm. You must do it because that's who you are as as a citizen. So you're blessed if you're merciful, not if you're merciful only to your mom, merciful to your son, but if you're merciful even to the men who is slapping you across the cheek. Mm. And, and Jesus takes the, the fact that these individuals in Jewish society would be looked down upon. You murdered someone. You committed adultery. You did this and that and the third. And Jesus is saying, you thought that the Pharisees who were considered the highest spiritually, mm-hmm. he says, unless your righteousness in verse 20 exceeds the righteousness Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Mm -hmm, You will not be a member. So here you're saying the people we think are the most spiritual people are actually the ones who are not inside the kingdom. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And Jesus says, why is that the case? Not because of their lack of external behavior, but because they have not allowed that external, the the truth of what my kingdom is about to infuse their internal spirit. Mm -hmm. Well, as long as I practice it in secret, it's okay. And and, and, in Jesus's kingdom, completely exposes a person who wants to do it for the crowd, but is not really committed to it in secret. And my, my grandmother used to say, hypocrisy pays compliment to virtue. We always pretend to be something that we know that other people respect and value. So we will always hypocritically do it if we think it's going to bring us a certain level of respect. And this is what Jesus is really trying to identify and pull out. I look at this passage and I see that Jesus in many ways is, at first I thought he was maybe reinterpreting the Ten Commandments, but he's not reinterpreting the Ten Commandments. He's taking a jab at how human human beings, human society, thinks that they can maintain justice by keeping the law externally. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Which, which, we were talking about the Ten Commandments here, but we have zero problems with the Ten Commandments, but we have a problem with how human beings think if they can just keep the law, everything will be cool. Now, we've traditionally interpreted this in terms of salvation, but if we translate this into society, Mm. if we just have the right laws, if we just have the right political system, if we just all obey, shouldn't everyone be okay? And Jesus would say the same thing. No, it's not a problem with (laughs) law cannot, your obedience to the law cannot save you, Mm -hmm. which is what social justice advocates today do. They bypass biblical justice, they bypass religion, they bypass conversion, Mm. just that we just need the right law. Yeah, and that will provide equality. Well, what 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 society today neglects that Jesus is clearly stressing here is is in in his uh, passage in, in his Sermon on the Mountain, is that we have the tendency as human beings to think that everyone else is the problem. Mm. You know that the problem to society is someone else. It is the law. It is the fact that people are oppressing. It is the fact that people are poor. The system. The system yes. or society. Everyone except me. Yes. But Jesus actually you know, teaches the exact opposite. Mm. He says, actually, the problem in society is not society. The problem in society is you. You think that it is possible to keep the law of God. You think that it is possible on your own. You think that it is possible for you to externally do great things, but internally do them for selfish reasons. And Jesus is trying to say, do you understand the significance of the law of God? You don't, because the law of God is so radical. It comes full circle when you hit verse 46. Mm. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Don't the tax collectors do the same? In other words, Jesus is going to say, all right. If you really, really, really believe that you can keep the law of God, can you love your enemies? And then you're like, no way, I can't love my enemies. And then he says, well, at the end of the day, if you cannot love your enemies, something that it is humanly impossible to do, what makes you different 
from the people who are who do not consider themselves to be Christians. Right. Mm-hmm. You're actually right. the very same thing. Right. And so the point that Jesus is trying to get to here is we need to get to the point where we are hungering and thirsting for something for righteousness, which means we are hungering and thirsting for something that we do not have and cannot get unless it is given to us externally. And I would argue Outside that you're, you're hungering for Especially. thirsting for righteousness in all situations, right? Because mm-hmm. to be, yeah, 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 to sure, keep it 100, sure. right? Like Absolutely. Keep human wild. nature is I'm driving. If I see a cop, I'm going to go the speed limit. Hmm. But if there's no cop, I'm going to speed. Is that right? Sebastian? That's human nature. I mean, <laughs> I'm going to put myself out there for sure. So if you, if you feel like there's no threat of punishment, right, we are the type of people where we think, well, I can speed and nothing's going to happen. You know, I, I know how to drive. I, I know how to maintain myself in the wheel. So, yeah, yeah, the speed limit is there. But as long as there's no cop. And so in the same sense, I'm going to love my enemy if the cameras are on. Right. So we come on inverse and your worst enemy comes on the show. You're not going to be disrespecting this person knowing it's going to be broadcast all over the world. Well, we disrespect each other, the people that we love anyway. <laughs> so this is uh, real you, here. Be authentic. But if you go home and all of a sudden in the, in the privacy of your living room, in your car, you're going off on the person because the cameras are not on. Right. Yeah. Supposedly. And that's what to me Jesus is trying to address is this concept of the least of these can sometimes translate into people who there is no external ramifications on my character, my mm-hmm. reputation for treating this person this way. And there's no reward if I'm kind, except for the fact that I'm affirmed in my identity mm-hmm. as right. a member of the citizen of God's kingdom. And, and, and in verse 45 and verse uh, 48. 45 and 48. Five, yeah. Okay, Matthew. Um, I mean, starting in verse 44. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you and Pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. And then he says, why? That you may be the sons of your father yeah. in heaven. God is the kind of God who makes his sun to shine, right? Whether uh, it says on the evil and the good, he sends rain on the just and the unjust, mm-hmm. right? And at the end, to sum it up, he says, therefore, you shall be perfect just as your father in heaven mm-hmm. is perfect. And, you know, when you think about, so, I guess, justice in, in the world and in society, God wants to do something in our lives that transforms us into his image. So the way that we exercise justice in the world is a reflection of who God is, mm. not not out of a sense of like selfishness or, you know, uh, self-importance, but as an expression of, as Sebastian was saying, expression of who we are, mm-hmm. who God has transformed us to be. Mm his children now members of his kingdom mm-hmm. so i i believe that god permits for poverty for injustice to exist and for us to interact with that as an as an avenue for him to transform us into his image mm-hmm. we've been talking about a lot of lofty ideals and this inauguration of a new kingdom that jesus is preaching about and even amongst us i mean we're talking about these things and these are high things in some ways, that can be a discouraging thing. Man, I can't do that. We can't do this. Our inverse team, we, we can't be Christians by our own strength. Mm-hmm. We can only do it by the transformative blood and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's our prayer. We extend that invitation to all of you to be citizens of the kingdom of Jesus, to be selfless agents of change, to change the world around us, not for the world just, world's justice, but for heaven's justice sake. Join us next week. Here in Inverse. You've been listening to Inverse, a Bible-based conversation with Callie Williams, Israel Ramos, Jared Thomas, Sebastian Braxton, Siku Dako, and your host, Justin Kim. Inverse is brought to you by the Hope Channel, television that changes lives. 
For this and more inspiring episodes, visit inverse.hopetv.org. Find us on social media, hashtag InverseBible. Until next time, this is Inverse.